0: Let's wrap up coverage from Top Producer Summit with a couple of familiar voices to AgriTalk listeners. We'll talk outlook for corn and soybean markets and get reacquainted with this year's winner of the Women in Ag Award.
1: Live from the waning hours of the annual Top Producer Summit in magical Kansas City, via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This afternoon, we begin with a conversation with the award-winning Pam Johnson. Then it's a conversation with Pete Meyer from Muddy Boots Directly following the news, Todd Bubba Horwitz from BubbaTrading.com. I'm Handsome Newsman Davis Michelson, and now, welcome the host of AgriTalks,
0: Lori. All right, Davis. Yeah, what a way to finish up our coverage down here, huh?
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Couldn't be better.
0: Absolutely. We'll get Pam Johnson on here. Those of you that our regular listeners or were regular listeners of the morning hour, the AM hour of Talk. Uh, Pam was a regular on the free-for-all for quite some time uh, and uh, uh, hasn't been for a while, but she still is making her opinions known. And mm-hmm. dude, when I heard that Pam was the winner of the women in ag award, mm-hmm. my first thought, honestly, was you've got to be kidding. Why hasn't she been given this award before? Yeah. Why wasn't it given to her earlier? Mm-hmm. Uh, right. And and it's well, unbelievably deserved. We're going to sit and have a conversation with Pam, get caught up uh, there as well. I was on a panel this morning with Pete Meyer from Muddy Boots Ag. We're going to talk about some of what's going on in the biofuels markets, the sustainable aviation fuel market. Yeah, we talked a little bit about it this morning with Steve Nicholson from Robo AgriFinance. Uh, but I want to get Pete's take on a few things that are happening and just exactly what it might mean for the soybean market, oil seed market, and even the corn market going forward. We've got the supply and demand report coming tomorrow. Pete will help us get ready for that. And then uh, we've got a uh, uh, prospective planning report coming up at the end of March we'll get Pete's take on what to expect there what we might expect there as well so everything's good down here in Kansas City man it's beautiful
1: isn't it, isn't it? 60 degrees outside medium sunshine i would call it at least in this part of town i don't know maybe the All sun right. is always shining in downtown kansas city is that the case
0: well maybe filtered maybe okay. filtered just a bit yeah Fair but enough. it's looking Fair good enough. looking mm-hmm. good out there uh yeah. we are wrapping up top producer some uh top producer summit here in kansas city we've got a couple of more presentations down here to go uh general sessions you won't believe who the last one is
1: oh who is it who is it
0: it is one mr jim wiesmeyer
1: mr jim wiesmeyer well that's that's worth hanging around for for sure farmers
0: very own jim wiesmeyer have you seen Uh, him has there been a sighting yes yes there was a (laughs) sighting of wiesmeyer not too long ago i if i'm not mistaken he was wearing a very special pair of blue jeans davis
1: Oh, really? Were they perhaps stretch blue jeans?
0: They might have been. They might (laughs) have been. Let's get to the news.
1: Early weakness in the U.S. dollar index helped encourage short covering and wheat futures with soft red winter wheat leading the way to the upside. March, SOW futures opened fractionally lower and tested selling interest at lower levels before rallying to close high range and back on the top side of six bucks. Crop watchers warn above normal temperatures are reducing winter hardiness of the hard red winter wheat crop in the plains, but the forecast for at least scattered rains across the region capped today's upside price recovery. March HRW wheat one quarter of a penny lower, six eighteen and a quarter. March SRW up seven cents, six oh two. March spring wheat closed at six ninety six and one quarter. That's up three cents today, Chip.
0: It it was it, it's money management, Davis. I think mm-hmm. that's what most of what is going on in this market. It's been under some pressure. We get a little bit of short covering going in the SRW market. That the the market that is heaviest traded. Uh, but as far as trying to get anything going in the HRW or the spring wheat markets, it's it's just been really slow and really tough going.
1: Well, tip ethanol production in the weekend of February 2nd averaged 1.033 million barrels per day. That's up 42,000 from the previous week and 33,000 barrels ahead of the same week last year. Ethanol stocks in the week climbed 509,000 barrels to 24.779 million barrels. March corn futures opened a tick lower and tried to move to the plus side of unchanged, but dropped through support at the January 30 low of 4.36 and one half. That was on its way to a new contract low and a new contract low close. Buddy, needed range in Argentina. Also limited buying. March corn futures four and a half cents lower, 4.34 and a quarter. May corn down four cents, 4.46 and a half. July corn futures closed at 4.55 and a half, down a nickel today.
0: Okay, uh, you know. I always talk about the market has to do one of two things to adjust. Mm-hmm. You've got to trade it low enough. You've got to trade low enough in a, in, in a quick fashion to, you know, exhaust the selling that is in the market, or you have to trade low enough for a long enough period of time to change the fundamentals yeah. based on the attitude of the farmers down here at the top producer summit, the corn market has traded low enough for a long enough period of time. They've grown very, very concerned about what it means for the longer-term outlook for this corn market.
1: We'll check the sell-off in soybean meal futures, pulled soybean prices to the downside today. March soybean meal futures opened slightly lower, then pushed up to test buying interest above 12 bucks, Finding none, beans turned back to the downside. March futures did respect support at Monday's lows and recovered to close near mid-range. Positioning ahead of tomorrow's SD report from USDA was noted in today's trade. Traders... Looking for a downside adjustment to the Brazilian bean crop estimate, but bulls are concerned. Any cut to the Brazilian crop could be offset by an increase to the RG bean crop estimate. Here at home, March beans ten and a half cents lower, eleven eighty-nine. May beans down ten and three quarter, eleven ninety-seven and one half. July soybeans closed at twelve oh seven. Chip, that's down ten and three quarters today.
0: Yeah, tough day in the bean market, no doubt.
1: Indeed, March cotton ninety-three points higher, eighty-eight forty-seven. Let's leave Bubba just a little bit of room. I think we've got him, Chip.
0: All right. Sounds good. Thank you, Davis. Let's bring in Todd Horowitz, BubbaTrading.com. Bubba, we're looking for that flip to switch or that switch to flip, switch, flip to switch.
2: Yeah, but, but, but we're live at the summit. What's up, everybody?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, everything's going great here, but we're looking for that transition to happen in this grain market. And I don't know if we're any closer today than we were a week ago, bud.
2: I don't, I don't think so, Chip. There, there's no, you can't get any power to the buy side. They continue to drift lower. Every rally is sold into the funds are in full control and the equity markets are going to Pluto, which is, this tells you how goofy things are right now in the entire structure. I mean, we know the economy is bad. Just look at the price of crude oil and everything that we look at that we can't get buyers to come in here. And as long as equities are going up, there's not going to be new fresh money coming in that isn't from the farming community. So this is going to be a problem until it's not. And at some point it'll turn, but I don't think, I think there's still room on the downside now. I thought this morning when corn popped a little bit off of that first sell off, that maybe a thing is going to start to turn around, but they went right back down to the lows again.
0: Yeah. You know, it, it is one of those, it, it's one of those deals where you got to make the market prove that it is done going down before you start trading it from the long side now, don't you? I, th-
2: I think so now just full disclosure i do have a long position in a side account like a bank okay. account because i became a farmer and i'm putting it in my bins by myself <laughs> but <laughs> you know at the end of the at the end of the day the trend is lower and there's really no reason to, to be a buyer here unless you want to take a shot and, and again i think there's a better place to take a shot i just thought that we were at a level when it looked like it was good but it- again right now the commodities are so heavy. The grains are so heavy that they just can't seem to find any buyers. And it really doesn't make any sense because you go to the grocery stores and prices are through the roof.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. This is one of those situations that uh, the, the the pressure on the corn market in particular has lasted long enough that, Baba, there's some anxiety. Anxiety is getting high among farmers as they're watching this thing.
2: I think very high. And if rates go up, then you better watch the bankers because they'll create some more problems.
0: That's right. That's right. All right, man. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, man. Thanks, guys. Have a great week. All right. Todd Horowitz, com. we got Pam Johnson up next here on AgriTalk.
3: Go on the offensive against weeds with Antares Complete from Helena.
0: All right, welcome back to Agritalk and Top Producers Summit down in Kansas City, Davis. Real quick, yep. I want to get to the conversation with Pam, but give us the closes yep. that we missed.
1: Sure thing. Well, I've got April live cattle here, one and one half cents lower today, one eighty-four eighty. The June contract down ninety-two and a half to one eighty-two twenty. March feeder futures a buck 2 lower, two forty-five fifty-five. On your snout side, April lean hog futures fifteen cents lower at eighty-one ten. June up thirty-seven and one half cents. Chip. 95, 57 and one half back over to you, buddy.
0: Very good. Thank you, Davis. Uh, Pam Johnson. It's good to see you again. How are you?
5: It's good to be here. It's good to see you.
0: I've been on the radio with you a lot. Yeah, I mean, there are not, right? not many people that have been on the radio more with me than you, but it's been too long and I love having you back on. Thank you. Um, as the winner of the Women in Ag Award at Top Producer Summit 2024. I'll be honest, when I saw that it was you, my first thought was, are you kidding me? Why hasn't she gotten this way, 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 way before? So congratulations.
5: Thank you very much.
0: Um, when you were on with us on a regular basis on Fridays for the Free-for-All, you had just started. And I start getting calls and emails from women that you have influenced in this business saying how smart it was that we had you on on a regular basis your influence among the i'm thinking of julianne johnston in particular she melted when i told her that you were going to be on on a regular basis so the the women that you had an impact on pam I could count them, but it'd take me a while to get there. Uh, Congratulations on that. And a big thank you from all of them to you and a big thank you from me because I've gotten to know all these women that you had a major influence on girl. It, it, it's so well-deserved. So well-deserved.
5: Thank you. Well, you know, I think, um, As I look back, I said last night at the award ceremony, um, it's given me time to reminisce Mm -hmm. and really think about what's been important and the work I've been able to do, the doors that have opened, but more so the people I've gotten to work with and the legacy of not just having a succession plan on our own farm. But being able to see once in a while, I just had a call this week from a young woman that said, you don't know what you've met in my life. And I had this issue and I said, what would Pam Johnson do? And she said, instead of just, you know, thinking about, oh, somebody should do something. I raised my hand and I went out and did it. And it was at the shooting in Perry. And she organized all the mothers and got packs and gift bags for all those kids to make a difference, to show them that somebody cared. i tell you that melted my heart.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's a, that is impressive. Um, you, you talked about the people that you've worked with the, the, the part that got me the most last night was talking about Maurice. Wow. What a partner to have in business and in life
5: for you? Yeah, I don't know how I got so lucky, Chick. <laughs> I, um, yeah, we've been married 51 years and, you know, got married as kids, you know, yeah. and didn't know anything, didn't have anything. And through the years, you know, I've been around the world and mm-hmm. um, I've met a lot of people. I've met a lot of men and there's nobody I would want to hitch my cart to besides yeah. Maurice Johnson. <laughs> And so now he's going through a lot of health challenges. Yeah. And I tell you, um, I'm a nurse and I've seen a lot of patients too, but I admire this man every day. He gets up, he goes into the arena, he gets knocked down, he gets yeah. back up. If he feels well enough, he goes out to the field, he goes out to the uh, shop mm-hmm. and um, he inspires me. He yeah. inspires so many people.
0: Yeah. Yep. That's very what cool. was all about, right? Yep. Yes, it certainly is. Yes. It certainly is. Um, this award used to be called the trailblazer award. Yep. Uh, if we were going to name it anything different, this would be the door crasher award for you <laughs> or ceiling buster award, whatever you want to call it, because you were the first woman elected or selected to be president of the national corn growers association. Um, When that happened, you had to have some kind of an inkling that you were here for a reason and in the position that you were in for a reason, right?
5: Yeah, um, I'm a pretty spiritual person. And so I uh, pay attention and try to be aware of things Mm -hmm. and look for doors to open. And um, I always say, you know, let me do something worthwhile. Let me do something meaningful. And I don't have to ask that very often, and something comes up. And so, yeah, it's been good to reflect about those years of being National Corn President, certainly out of my comfort zone almost all the time. Yeah. You know? Um, And yeah, I did it for me, but I think more so I did it because I had had mentors, men and women, and seen what they've done. And somebody said to me, if you can see it, you can be it. Yeah. And I thought, that's what I want to try and be. I want to try and inspire other people to think they can step up to the plate. Yeah. They can do things better than me. I mean, that's the glory of it all, right? Is when somebody picks up the ball and they do a better job than you do.
0: Yeah. So. Yep. Let's talk a little bit more about the farm. Yeah. Legacy. Planning. Yeah. Succession planning. Succession planning. Do it. Right.
5: Amen, brother.
0: Yeah. It worked and it worked for you guys.
5: Yeah. We are, <laughs> we are just so blessed. Um, I don't even have the word because um, probably the best thing we've raised over 52 years of farming is two kids. Yeah. And then those two kids who married two stellar women. Yeah. Who contribute not only to their own marriage, but to the whole business. It's not easy, you know, but everybody works in the same direction, works toward North star. And then of course, then the biggest blessing is we have four little grandsons. There you go. Yeah. So I don't know what's going to happen. I can't control anything, but boy, it's like, carry on guys. Yeah.
0: Yeah, certainly is. You, you have already said uh, what I think is going to be your advice to other women in agriculture. You, you've already said it. And I, I, I think you'll probably repeat it, but what advice do you have? And, and I'm even talking about the, the, it was, it was great that the woman in Perry, you, you know, expressed to you how important that you are in her life and and the motivation and the inspiration that you have given her to the point that she raised her hand. Now, the women that maybe they don't have the guts to come up and talk to Pam Johnson but I'm sure that you've got some advice for.
5: So I didn't have the guts either. You know, I'm a raging introvert. And I went to a leadership class, actually when Maurice was president of the Farm Bureau and they did personality profiling. (laughs) And I was this little tiny group off in the corner with like four people and everybody else had these huge groups of their personality group. And the woman in charge was facilitating, came over there and said, you guys, you like to hang out in the corner and just hope nobody notices you, right? And I said, yeah, exactly. She said, get out there. Yeah, the We need you. The world needs you. So my message is, you don't have to be a Pam Johnson. Mm-hmm. You just, you know, I've got this thing at home I look at all the time. It's just be, be the, I don't even remember how it's, it's St. Francis de Sales, but it's, be who you are and be that well. Yeah. So that's what I aspire to. And that's what I tell everybody. So, you know, whether you're leading on your own farm or leading in your community, or you want to be in a commodity group, just raise your hand and do something because it matters. And you don't have to, it's the, it's really about the little things, right? Mm -hmm. It's about the little
3: things. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. And, and, uh, there, there's a long list of ladies out there that at some point or another raised their hand, uh, because you inspired them to do that, Pam. And, uh, we're agriculture is better that you are part of it. That's the bottom line. Thank you. So congratulations. Yes, sir. Thank you for coming over and talking with us. It's great to see you again.
5: Yeah, it's great to be back.
0: Love it. Love it. Again, congratulations to Pam Johnson, the winner of the Women in Agriculture Award at the 2024 Top Producer Summit. Okay. I got to take a deep breath after that, Pam. <laughs> Thank you so much for stopping by. Hey, when we come back, we're going to get into the commodity outlook. We're going to talk some this SAF, we're going to talk biofuels. We're going to talk bio based diesel. We've got a lot to talk about with Pete Meyer from Muddy Boots Ag right here on AgriTalk.
1: Let's go to the markets page at profarmer.com and check today's closes where March hard red winter wheat futures were one quarter of one penny lower at 618 and one quarter. March SRW wheat up seven cents, six oh two. March corn futures were four and one half cents lower at four thirty four and one quarter. May corn down four cents, four forty six and one half. March soybean futures were ten and one half cents lower at eleven eighty nine. May beans down ten and three quarters, eleven ninety seven and one half. March cotton ninety three points higher, eighty eight forty seven. On your livestock's April fat cattle, a buck 27 and one half lower at 184.80. March feeders, a dollar 12 and a half lower 245.55. April lean hog features 15 cents lower 81.10, but the June contract up 37 and one half cents to 95.57. And one half more market news every market day. Try ProPharma.com.
4: My mom's got a new case i tractor and it can do it all. Bail hay all day.
1: Opinions expressed on Agritalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. Do you suffer from talking on the radio phobia? No problem. Send us a tweet at hashtag Agritalk.
0: Welcome back to Agritalk. Wow, I guess that bump, we're just trying to keep this guy a little calm before we... Open up the shoot and let him go out into the arena. Pete Meyer with
7: buddy buddy with muddy boots egg. How you doing, Pete? I'm doing great. Thanks. Yeah. Good. Good. Little bit of a little bit of a tough segue from uh from the very comic elected Pam Johnson to uh yeah. to you don't know what you're gonna get with me, but okay. But
0: yeah, and now for something completely, completely different. different. <laughs> so Pete and I have been together here since about seven o'clock this morning, maybe even a little bit before that, because we were on the panel with Tyne Morgan for this weekend's U.S. Farm Report, and uh, so we we've we've had a few discussions already today. But one discussion that I didn't get in on, Pete, was your breakout session. You said it was quite interesting. A lot of questions. What did you learn?
7: Well, what we did was we you know today we talked about sustainable aviation fuel on 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 U.S. Farm Report, and I just expanded it. I basically showed. Uh, one of the panelists who was with us this morning is from Southwest. And yep. she, her final message was, we're in it to win it, yep. right? We're, we're it. So what I did was I took out Southwest's plan, Delta's plan, United's plan, and just showed everybody in attendance that, you know what, these uh, these airlines are reliant on 50%, uh, I'm sorry, on sustainable aviation fuel for 50% of their carbon goals by, by the year 2050. And it's really an enormous number when you think about it. But the other thing we talked about in the breakout session as well was about the 45Z tax credit, you know, which yeah. which are on your carbon intensity for your farm, and also chip, uh, you know, some of the stuff that we're doing with uh, with consumer packaging goods as far as the companies, as far as them paying farmers um, outside of their normal business scope for sustainability practices. So between the CPGs paying and the 45Z tax credit, I under you know everybody knows 24 is, looks like it's going to be a tough year. But what what those uh, what those uh, programs do is they add enterprise value to your operation. Okay. in my opinion.
0: okay. Uh, how well is the 45 Z tax credit understood?
7: Well, I, I think in in the most in the simplest terms it is. in the simplest terms, if you end up with a carbon intensity score of zero on your farm,, yeah. your corn is technically worth a dollar fifty nine a bushel more to the ethanol plant or to the, the ethanol plant is going to get the 45 Z tax credit now how that happens how that gets divided you know you know I, I think that there's going to be some some conversations you know you need to have your conversations with either your marketer and your marketer has to have that conversation with the ethanol plant or you have to have the conversation with the ethanol plant now the first thing that has to happen is that the greet g r e e t mm-hmm. model the epa needs to accept that there's going to be some changes to it that'll be out march 15th yep. and then we have to start to start to move uh, move from there but in essence um, you know, if the the average carbon intensity score of a cornfield in the U.S. is like twenty nine point one, and around numbers, you get about five and a half cents for every point below twenty nine point one you are, and that you can validate it.
0: Okay. The thing about it is the the forty five z tax credits they they become available I think in twenty five January first of twenty five January first of twenty five. But that means that you've got to prove it on the twenty-four crop,
7: right? Correct. Okay. That's correct. And quite often I get the I get the question, hey, should I be looking for storage for my twenty-four crop? Because I know my carbon intensity score is, you know, low. Uh, you know, uh, that's not for me to say, right? I mean, the fact of the matter is that we still we still are getting our ducks in a row. Let's see what the greet model says. The IRS still needs to um come out with a, with a view on the, on, on what the end user of, of SAF is going to get paid. And there's a, there, there's a few moving parts here, but yes, there's no question that if you want to sell to your ethanol plant uh, on January 2nd of 2025, yeah, that's going to be on your 24 crop. And if you can Mm -hmm. validate a carbon intensity score, you know uh, yeah. In my opinion, I foresee, you know, your marketer or yourself calling your, calling your ethanol company and say, okay, where are you for, Let's say second half Feb, first half March. The like guy, the the buyer, would say plus ten, plus ten basis. Where are you now for zero carbon? Right. Okay. Now I'll be a plus ninety basis. I mean, in my opinion, it's just my opinion. The farmer needs to get half of his money. It, it Sounds good to me. Right. Um,
0: I don't know what the number should be, but it it does need to be shared. There, there no. there's, there's, there's no reason no question, reason. No the, question about because
7: it. Because the ethanol plants on their own are under tremendous pressure to lower their carbon intensity scores. Right. 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 Okay.
0: Pete, there are some listeners out there right now that are thinking to themselves, why in the world are they talking about this? This is all going away. This is all just going with the change in the administration, they're going to reverse all of this and it is going away. What do you tell them?
7: What I tell them is that if the Republican front runner who from all indications wants to triple the um the tariffs with china and go from let's say a little bit under 20 percent to 60 percent that republican front runner would be out of his mind if he kills this because what's going to happen is that if that's the case and you and i both notice our exports are already in trouble mm-hmm. especially on the soybean side so there has to be there has to be some concession to the farmer now the last time that uh, that uh, president trump was in office course, we had an alphabet soup worth of uh, packages to make up for the trade war with China. You know, you know. You and I have talked about this, and you used the term that uh, this morning that I used quite a bit: the domestication of the soybean crop and not a domestication of the corn crop. You cannot get this off the ground without tax incentive. If they were to pull the rug on this, yeah, then then you have a you have a problem yet. Which is why I urge some caution here. Yeah, let's not. You know, let's not. If you want to get the carbon intensity score on a thousand of your acres, it's probably going to cost you five grand. Okay, is that the end of the world? No, but yeah, there's no. I look, I I understand. Saying the other thing is that when President Trump was in office, he he was always fond of the phrase "drill baby drill." Yeah, you know, crude oil. In my opinion, crude oil is just stuck in a range between seventy right. and eighty bucks. You know, if that happens, I mean. Yeah, U.S. US is producing a lot of oil. Yeah, we're stuck there with record production. Right. But, I mean, it just seems like it's, you know, it's kind of in a sweet spot here. Yeah. Yeah,
0: it certainly does. Um, It's rare that I am of the opinion that you do something just in case. Okay? Okay. I normally want to have real confidence before I say put even penny one into it. Mm -hmm. The certification of your carbon intensity score, do it. Because there is a pile of money that is going to be available. I don't care if you believe in in climate change or carbon sequestration or the carbon intensity score. I don't care if you believe in it. What you need to believe in is maximizing your profit potential. And this is going to be part of that profit picture going forward. The The
7: odds are it will be. The way I look at it is this. What's the average age of a U.S. farmer? 57. Right. Right. And the and the new age of consumers, the average the average farmer at 57 probably, you know, says, Well, you know, this didn't matter in my lifetime. The new consumers care about this stuff. Absolutely. They absolutely care about it. And, you know, it's one thing, like if you buy a ticket, let's say on United Airlines and you can offset your carbon score, you give them $19, they plant a tree or whatever. You know, you talk to United Airlines, the uh, CEO of United Airlines, a gentleman by the name of Scott Kirby. He admits that's just a feel-good thing, right? Yeah. If you want to change it, you have to go. To sustainable aviation fuel, sustainable aviation fuel on a greenhouse cycle is eighty-five percent reduces your carbon output by eighty-five percent versus if you made if you made fuel from from regular um, mm-hmm. uh, fossil fossil oil, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the only way they get there. So the first step would be let's see what the Greek model says on March fifteenth. Yeah, I mean, look, you're yeah you're going to have to prove that you were no till or you used less NP and K, or you had a cover crop to get that to get those scores down. Stuff that you you would have had it done that this went well, not the NPNK, but certainly you would have had no till and and or strip till and also a cover crop last year going to this year. But yeah, I mean I don't, you know, like I said, March fifteenth is the date. We'll see if they adopt a, the the greet model the way we think they're going to as far as the EPA is concerned. And then yeah, you have to at yeah. least at least inquire. There are a few firms out there that are willing to validate your, your CI score for like five bucks an acre. Yeah. So let's look at it, Chip. If you're producing 200 bushel corn and let's say your, your uh, ethanol plant agrees to split it with you, you get an 80 cents, 160 bucks an acre. You're paying five. You're net, net plus
0: 155. Right. Right. Yep. Excellent point. Okay. Another thing. And I think we can cover this real quickly. Uh, this morning after everything was done and I was trying to make my way back to get my computer Somebody caught up with me and said, Chip, all you need to say is that carbon makes up 0.4% of the atmosphere and it takes 0.4% carbon in the atmosphere to sustain plant life. We're not over that limit. We're not under that limit. It's where it should be. I said, I know. I get it. That's the atmosphere controlling itself. I get it. He said, well, then why do you think that we're that we need to go through all of this. And I said, I'm not the one that thinks it. The people that are putting billions of
7: dollars behind it are the one that think it. And maybe they're smarter than I am. I don't know. I think that when you look at the investment made by the oil companies, whether it be yep. Chevron with $135 million going to Bungie to upgrade those two plants, whatever, whether it's renewable diesel or sustainable aviation fuel, there is definitely a consumer push to lower this. I mean, next to over the road, travel, airline travel globally is the, is the second largest producer of car- yeah. carbon dioxide. It puts into the, puts into the atmosphere, right? You know, let's work Can on we it. Can we, can we argue about climate change? I, I
0: There's, there's a lot of cycle watchers out there that will,
7: and that's fine. Yeah, and that's fine. Yeah. But I mean, the fact of the matter is that, you know, we look at what's happened the last couple of years here with our corn crop in the U.S., and it's it's hard to argue that the that the climate. Or look at the snowpack out there today. Yeah, it's hard to argue that things. Are, yeah, yeah.
0: Things interesting. Are, interesting, interesting. All right, we're in the middle of a conversation with Pete Meyer from Muddy Boots Ag. When we come back, we got the uh, supply and demand report coming out tomorrow afternoon, Pete. It's kind of a benign report, at least it usually is. What are your expectations for that supply and demand report? And let's do a little bit of talk on what's happening in the corn market as well. We'll do that next from TPS24 here on Agritalk.
4: My mom's got a new case IH extractor and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Ship like a race car steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her Case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to.
5: Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com.
6: From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time.
1: Knowledge is power. We're here to charge your batteries. Agritalk. Oh, I'm waiting. That's right. I'm going to let it slide twice today. What? That's what's up. That's what's up.
0: Huh? I'm not That's into right. that. I am not into that at all.
1: Mm, can't help you, buddy.
0: Oh, man. Welcome shot. back to Agritalk. Shot. I'm Chip. Yeah. Uh, that is Davis. We're in the middle of a conversation with Pete Meyer from Muddy Boots Ag. I uh, spent a lot of time talking about biofuels and SAF and some of the rules and regulations and incentives that are out there and some reasons, uh, some some big theory issues uh, behind the the supports for for the biofuels and, and SAF in particular. Uh, let's bring it back, maybe take a step backwards here a little bit in this conversation. Talk about the supply and demand report that's coming our way tomorrow. It's a February report. This one typically has about the least impact on prices as any report of the year, doesn't it?
7: Yeah, this one in December, right? Yeah. December doesn't really matter much either. Yeah. I mean, certainly, I think that you know you're going to get some uh, revisions in South American production, obviously. Yeah. Um, you know, both both prompt corn and beans made new lows again today. So, yeah. are you gonna are you gonna have enough to move the needle? You know, probably not. I, I would imagine that they would most likely punt. On the domestic side and then just kind of finagle a little bit of what's going on in brazil but the way we look at it i mean we can take five or ten million metric tons off of off of south america for both crops and it may move the needle a little bit but it's not you know and then the other focus obviously is the is the massive hedge fund short i mean yeah. we're going to be obviously today with making new lows it's not a stretch for me to say we're at a record a record short but you know, the last time we saw them short a billion bushels, you know, I, you have to balance that with. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me finish my thought there. The last time we saw them short a billion bushels, and they capitulated and got out. The market rally thirty cents. Okay, so it's not going to be corn a, rallied thirty. Cents. Right? It's not yeah. going to be not going to be a game changer. You have to balance that with how much unsold twenty three corn is still out in the countryside. And to me, it's sobering to hear how much is still out there.
0: Did you pick that up in the breakout that you did?
7: No, I picked it up uh, two weeks ago. I was in Phoenix, Arizona, presented a Cortella conference. And there were about 150 growers there. And they were very open and honest about it. And, you know, but it's hard. I mean, I I totally get it. I mean, if anybody is emotionally attached to a product that they produce, it's the U.S. farmer or any farmer anywhere. So, but, you know, as far as the... The WASD is concerned, I don't see much. As far as the outlook for them, next week, you know, we kind of chatted about right. that recently. There's a lot of consensus out there that we can cut corn acres by three, four, maybe even maybe even more than that. I'm not in that. I'm just not in that boat. Um, and I know you're not in that boat either. Right. And certainly, we have to expect out of the USDA a yield, even though it may be unrealistic. I mean, we're certainly looking at a yield above 181 from them. So
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then the bottom line at the USDA ag outlook forum. The bottom line is it going to push up into that two six two seven range on corn carryover?
7: Could it? Uh, it could. What I'm what I'm very worried about is with whether we end up with three and three three billion bushel carryout and a three handle on corn. I'm not right. paying three dollar corn. Right. And of course you say, well, yeah, great call, Pete. We're at four thirty five. Well, you're really not stepping out much, but.
0: You know, it's, it's taken a long time to get to 435, though. Yeah, it is. So, you know, saying that eventually we could see a $3 handle on corn, I think it, you and I talked about it on Crop Tour this last year. I, I ran it by you before I said it on stage. Yeah, you know, I just said, should I say something about the potential of a $3 handle? After the crop that we've seen out here, and at that time it was kind of touch and go because yeah, we were,
7: were in some real drought conditions, yeah, we didn't really think much of it, but I mean if right you, you know you have a record production record production this year was not a record yield um certainly it was you know the yield numbers are very impressive even though it was negative to the market. Um, I would have never thought we would have been as high as we were yeah, um, yeah it's you know we need chip, we need to reset the entire business. We really do. We need a reset. We
0: need some demand. Where might that come from? Uh,
7: the the export of demand, I don't think is going to come there. But the uh, but that's why we talk about yeah sustainable aviation fuel, renewable diesel, and all those products because we need to we need domestic demand. But the reset, you know, um, it's hard with interest rates at seven eight percent. I mean, there's a lot of headwind here. Yeah, there's a lot of headwind here. But like I said, I mean, this domestic demand for fuel is not necessarily bullish but what it, what it, what it will do hopefully starting in 25 is stabilize the market. Yep.
0: Yep. Uh, it it an extra, you know, and I, I I don't say this lightly. I understand how big these numbers are. But an extra billion bushels of corn demand. Okay, so take our corn to ethanol number from from 5.4 up to 6.4 billion mm-hmm. and take let's find a way to add 300 million bushels to our bean demand. Yep. Changes everybody's life.
7: Yeah, because because your your export numbers now are probably about as low as you go. Yeah. I mean, you're going yeah, you're going to have a few years here once in a while where you're going to do a little bit better, but you know, the the deviation between Brazilian soybean exports and US exports that gets wider every year. Last year was the first year that Brazil exported more corn than the US did. The USDA has those converging this year. I'm not sure. Maybe we'll see what the safrina crop looks like. But, you know, it's kind of I don't think that divergence between Brazil and the U.S. on soybean exports widens much more. I I see it kind of kind of flatlining for the U.S.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Pete, it's always good to talk with you thanks ship i enjoyed it yeah next time we have you on we'll talk about a little bit of a change in your structure in your business structure and what you okay. got going on okay yeah, very good
7: thank you i appreciate the time
0: absolutely that is pete meyer muddy boots ag here at tps 2024 in kansas city davis we're wrapping things up dude mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. can't bit believe a- that another tps has come and gone for us
1: yeah yeah uh, it was a great event. I I was down there a little bit. Saw some great folks. Shook some hands. Uh, you know, reconnected with yep. some folks. We are, you know we get a little sappy. We talk about it, yeah. but it's the conversations, the relationships, the hangouts, really yep. that make things yep. like this uh, so valuable. It's awesome.
0: Absolutely. I even got to reconnect with a young Jones County four Her. At least when I knew him, he was uh-huh. a young Jones County four Her, and uh-huh. I was a counselor at his camp
4: whoa
0: back in the 80s 80 Mm -hmm. uh, it's called 45 years ago something like that how crazy is that (laughs) that was too much fun too much fun hey thank you so much for listening i hope you enjoyed the the conversations that we brought you from top producer summit come back tomorrow morning we're going to have a conversation with emily score from growth energy tomorrow afternoon mac marshall